1: Five, four, three, two, one. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message.
2: A confirmed attack is taking place against the United States. Aliens from an unknown location have been reported in multiple states.
3: We are controlling transmission.
4: There is another world that awaits far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. What you believe
1: might not be. Step into the
2: zone of the best unknown. UFOs,
4: aliens, ghosts, people, conspiracies and cover-ups. And to the pair we go with Jeremy Scott.
1: We did make important progress for the first for the first time the national archives will gather records from across the federal government on UAPs and have a legal mandate to release those records to the public if appropriate this is a major major win for government transparency on UAPs and it gives us a strong foundation for more action in the future
2: the senate today passing the annual defense policy bill the national defense authorization act which lays out the pentagon Funding through the next fiscal year, but of course, it also has UAP provisions, which we have discussed at length. And I haven't exactly caught up on which clauses made the final version because there was a lot in back, uh, back and forth on this, and it wasn't the only, you know, UFOs wasn't all that they were debating. Uh, I certainly plan to, but we do know that there is no review board. Um, and eminent domain for the government to seize exotic materials or remains. Uh, it's now up to the House to pass that. Uh, this doesn't mean that uh, what wasn't included in the bill can't be included at a later date. It just means it's not at this point in time. That includes, as I mentioned, the review board and also the, the eminent domain, Senator Chuck Schumer, who helped bring this forth over the summer, after whistleblower David Grush came forward to both News Nation and the debrief, and that started a, a spiral, continued really, I guess, the snowball disclosure that we've seen. Well, then, Senator Chuck Schumer, about a month or so later, along with Mike Rounds, introduces this bill. It's up for consideration. It gets debated back and forth, and the Senate has now passed it. It goes on to the House. Here's what he had to say today on Capitol Hill.
1: Unidentified, unanimous phenomena are of immense interest and curiosity to the American people. But with that curiosity comes the risk for confusion, disinformation, and mistrust especially if the government isn't prepared to be transparent. The United States government has gathered a great deal of information about UAPs over many decades, but has refused to share it with the American people. That is wrong, and additionally, it breeds mistrust. We've also been notified by multiple credible sources that information on UAPs has also been withheld from Congress, which, if true, is a violation of the laws requiring full notification to the legislative branch.
2: Now, we know what he meant. He meant anomalous, not unanimous, unidentified anomalous phenomenon. Just a a slip of the tongue there. But what a year it has been for UFO disclosure. I mean, the door really has been pushed further open. Uh, There's been more players that have come out from behind the curtain, and we are at a tipping point. What might it take to get to the finish line? Are we being prepared for an imminent reveal as we speak? Uh, We've certainly been primed with hundreds of motion pictures depicting aliens and UFOs that have been produced over the decades, some uh, amazing, others not so much. Perhaps you've seen some of these. Back in the 1950s, The Day the Earth Stood Still came out in 1951, where an alien lands in Washington, D.C., and tells us Earthlings to live in peace or be destroyed. War of the Worlds came along in 1953 based on the Orson Welles radio drama of 1938 where a small town in California is attacked by Martians. Invasion of the Saucer Men in 1957 where a small town fights back against invading aliens with venomous claws. The 1960s brought us 2001 A Space Odyssey. Of course, how can we forget that one? In 1968 where a mysterious artifact is found buried beneath the lunar surface. And a spacecraft manned by two men is found on Jupiter. Supercomputer HAL 9000, of course, comes to be in that. 1970s, Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 77, where humans and extraterrestrial beings communicate through lights and music. We all know those uh, tones. The Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978, as strange seeds drift to Earth from space and mysterious pods invade San Francisco, replicating the bodies of residents. The Alien series, of course, uh, big in this whole scenario, which depicts a warrant officer's battles with an extraterrestrial life form. The original Alien in 1979 was followed by the sequels Aliens in 1979. 86, Alien 3, 1992, Alien Resurrection, and Alien Covenant in 2017. In the 1980s, I remember E.T. the Extraterrestrial. That came out just a year before I was born, so I'm dating myself. 1982, where a troubled child summons the courage to help a friendly alien escape from Earth and return to his home planet. The Thing also came out in 1982, telling the story of a group of researchers who encounter an extraterrestrial life form starman 1984 tells the story of an alien who came to earth and cloned a human body when i was uh preparing for this program i know many of these names i've seen many of these but i didn't realize how many of them there actually are it's it's, it's phenomenal And uh, just to demonstrate this point, I want to continue. The 1989 movie, Communion, based on the book of the same name by Whitley Strieber, uh, uh, dramatizing his alien abduction. 1990s, getting close towards to to my generation here. Uh, This era brought us fire in the sky, of course, in 1993 about Travis Walton's abduction in Arizona. Independence Day, 1996, aliens invading with a goal to destroy Earth. And then a year later, in 1997, comes Men in Black, where a police officer joins a secret organization that polices and monitors extraterrestrial interactions on Earth, we also got contact in 1997, as a doctor finds conclusive radio proof of extraterrestrial intelligence. The X Files movie came out in 1998, as Mulder and Scully fight the government in a conspiracy to find the truth about an alien colonization of Earth. Of course, that movie made popular by the hit television series that debuted in 1993. In the 2000s, signs in 2002 about ETs and crop circles. District Nine in 2009, where sick insectoid aliens, who were found on a ship, are confined to an inter- uh, internment camp. That is. A couple of more of these. 2016 arrival. A linguist en- enlisted by the U.S. Army discovers how to communicate with extraterrestrials who have arrived on earth and i saw these two actually i saw i've seen several of these but i arrival was in the theater for that nope T- 2022 saw that one which takes place on a horse farm as siblings attempt to capture evidence of a ufo just saw asteroid city a couple of months ago and alien in that movie descends from a craft to steal the asteroid that uh, crashed in the small town Yeah, we're all about spoilers here on this program. Uh, There are more, of course, but these uh, by far are the most popular. Some would argue that this is a means to prepare us for the reveal, the grand uh, capital D disclosure event, uh, which could be imminent. So now we get to our featured presentation, as they always say after the credits. See, since the dawn of the motion picture age over 600 feature films have been produced depicting aliens and ufo's it's it's uh make no mistake the impact that they've had not only in pop culture but certainly the box office tens of billions of dollars Globally, those have racked up and still continue to do quite well. Uh, well, the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance is bringing together UAP and ET researchers, along with authors and experiencers, with content creators, uh, matching them up to close this long-standing gap that's been created by the government-imposed truth embargo, which we've spent many hours talking about on this program, primarily with Stephen Bassett, who's also... Uh, the uh, I believe, the executive director of the organization. But it is a movement powered by entertainment industry producers and researchers to empower the general public through accuracy in storytelling to help inform the world about what will soon, in many people's opinion, become the most unprecedented event in human disclosure. And we're talking about a uh, human history, that is. I just gave it away. Uh, which is capital D Disclosure. Tonight we welcome Dan Harari, Sean Jablonski, and Sean West from the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. Uh, Dan has been here once before. He's best known for his 40-plus years of work in Hollywood as an entertainment industry publicist. He's worked with hundreds of famous celebrities from movies, TV, music, and pop culture. He's also a published author and longtime member of the L.A. chapter of MUFON. And uh, he's had a few UFO sightings as well. Hi, Dan. Welcome.
5: Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. And thanks for allowing me to share the screen tonight with my two best Sean friends, the Shans. The <laughs>
2: I like how you you say it, sharing the screens. Yeah, we're going to have to, I don't know, flip coins. Uh, Sean and Sean, if we direct questions your way, we're going to have to maybe just go last names like they do in the military or something to keep it straight. Uh, But, Dan, uh, is it staggering to you? Uh, The list that I ran down of all of those movies, and that's just uh, scratching the surface. Well,
5: you know, I'm 67, so I'm older than you. And uh, many of those movies I grew up with. Uh, I've seen Close Encounters literally 50 or 60 times. And I cry at the end every single time that I've ever seen that movie. I I was that deeply touched and affected. I think, Jeremy, what's very interesting about the list that you read, other than maybe Close Encounters, E.T., Arrival, maybe Starman, there's a few exceptions. But most of the titles that you read our aliens are coming to Earth to kill us or eat us, right? Right. And, and something that you left out, which I know the Sean's and I, we all love this, There's a very famous Twilight Zone episode called uh, To Serve Man. It was a TV episode, not a movie, but, you know, the aliens come and they pretend to be nice to serve man. And it turns out to serve man is a cookbook. And they, they, came, they came to Earth to kidnap humans so they can cook them and eat them. So most of the most of our pop culture UFO aliens since the 40s and 50s have been evil. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I wrote a book, as you know, Jeremy, I was on your show earlier this year. And my book, After They Came, which is right over there, was uh, written about benevolent aliens coming to Earth to save mankind. And I thought, you know, why can't they be nice? Why can't they come and be nice and help
2: us? Well, you know, the reason that is a Hollywood guy. Uh, well, well,
5: I'll tell you the the whole story. I, the first draft I wrote of my book, they were nice, they were nice, they were nice all the way through till the end. I sent it to my publisher,
4: <laughs> and How he goes Dan, goes,
5: "Dan," and and he goes, Dad, where's the conflict? I can't publish this. Where's the conflict?" I said, "I said, Stephen, can't they just be nice? I mean, can't, my, uh, can't they be nice? Can't they just come to help us?" No, no, no. Got to have conflict. So I had to rewrite my book to shove in the Draconians. See, my, my nice. Happy-go-lucky, benevolent aliens are the Pleiadians, the, you know, the Nordics, the tall whites, seven feet tall with the long blonde hair. And the- what
2: you mean, uh, Hollywood embellishes things from time to time? You don't say. And now, our featured presentation tonight with the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal.
4: Into the paranormal.
2: I'm Jeremy Scott, joined by the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance tonight. Their website is hollywooddisclosurealliance.org. All right, Dan Harari, we've heard some introductory comments from him. I want to turn to uh, the first of two Shans tonight. Uh, Sean West joining us, known as the agent to the UFO stars, represents dozens of world-renowned UFO experiencers, investigators, book authors, film and documentary creators... Helping people who've experienced strange phenomena tell their stories. He's worked with dozens of uh, shows distributed on network, cable, and streaming television. He's also a UFO, UFO experiencer himself. Uh, Sean, welcome yourself to the program.
6: Thank you. It's wonderful to be here.
2: So, uh, I mean, uh, what we've talked about so far. Do you have any comments about that?
6: What's fascinating is the the history of movie making in Hollywood around this genre. There have literally I mean, you named just a a handful of motion pictures. Studios have created, uh, at last count, it was nearly 700 motion pictures um, on UFOs and alien visitation or Earthlings traveling to faraway distant planets. Mm -hmm. I remember when I first came to Hollywood in the 1980s. I got lucky. I got very, very lucky in show business, found myself working at the world's largest talent agency called William Morris. And during my time there, I was fortunate enough to work for an agent uh, who was the head of the motion picture department, not just for that office in Beverly Hills, but worldwide. He uh, happened to be the agent for Marlon Brando, Clint Eastwood, Jerry Lewis, Jack Lemmon.
2: I've heard a few of those.
6: The list goes on and on. And one day, this was during, uh, this was during a period where there were quite a few, what we would call tentpole pictures being made. Big budget sci-fi motion pictures. And I made a comment uh, in the hallway one time. I said, you know, where do these writers come up with these ideas? How do they do it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's fascinating because it's always something, something new, something different. And this very seasoned veteran agent came up to me and whispered in my ear. He says, Sean, me boy, they write this because it's all true. And I thought for a moment, all true. Are you kidding me? Then I got to thinking, who are these young writers? And it dawned on me. These folks come from very interesting family backgrounds. A lot of their relatives are with what we would call three letter agencies. A lot of them come from old, old money. And I got to thinking, you know, what do these folks, when they go back to the East Coast and, they, at the, and they're sitting around the Thanksgiving table, what kind of stories do they hear their uncle or their aunt talk about, their grandfather talk about? I guess that they're talking about stories that would otherwise curl the rest of our hair if we were sitting around that same table.
2: And uh, you actually help uh, some of these people in, in doing exactly that, coming forward and telling their story and getting the attention of distributors who will, who will give it the light of the day.
6: That is true, um, especially since the establishment of the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. It's been like wildfire. As soon as the industry found out that an organa- organization like this was being created, my office phone started ringing off the hook. All of the networks, all of the big studios were calling. What are you folks doing? Why are you doing this? How are you doing this? Everybody under one roof in one organization, do you mean I can go to a website or I could pick up a phone and I can have access to some of the greatest researchers and uh, knowledge seekers on planet Earth? Right.
2: And the best thing is the government's not involved. So there's not all this red tape or blue tape or whatever. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal. We'll meet the uh, the other Sean Sean Jablonski will come up next from the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. I'm Jeremy Scott, into the paranormal.
4: This is Paranormal News. Another whistleblower alleges the U.S. has been in possession of a UFO. Eric Tabor, a former defense aerospace contractor of 13 years who has held a security clearance to work on military aircraft, says an egg-shaped metallic UFO was kept in Area 51 in the 1980s. He tells the Daily Mail that he testified to the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office that his late great-uncle, who was a contractor at Area 51, for 17 years and served in the air force told him about the object at the secret facility he said engineers at the air base claimed the cia recovered the craft in the desert and brought it to them to attempt to reverse engineer it but couldn't get it open so it was sent to another facility this claim is the latest in a long history of accounts that possible extraterrestrial craft or futuristic spaceships have been stored in the nevada desert George Henry, Paranormal News.
5: Show starts in eight minutes.
6: We have a situation in West Virginia. Family reported seeing something
1: falling from the sky. We work for a highly funded yet unofficial government agency.
3: have landed around the world. This is one of 12. Coordinated attacks on metropolitan areas. My fellow Americans,
5: this is a momentous occasion. It is profoundly moving to know there is intelligent life out there. Alien life. And our world will
4: never feel quite the same again. Searching for the truth. Asking the hard questions as we ponder what could be. You're traveling into the paranormal.
2: How much has Hollywood influenced the UFO disclosure movement? Sounds like quite a lot. Science fiction. Based on fact. We're talking with the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance tonight. Let's meet Sean Jablonski next. He's a writer, producer, director in Hollywood for over 25 years with credits, including Oz, Nip Niptox, Suits, and two Law & Order franchises. But it uh, was his time spent running one of my favorite shows of all time, History Channel's Project Blue Book. Uh, what, that you're most excited about, Sean, and welcome to the program.
3: Hi, thanks for having me. Uh and yes, the short answer is yes, uh, unequivocally. Uh, not just from a storytelling standpoint, but everyone involved and and um it was just really, really a wonderful experience, but also getting to dive into telling those stories and to sort of dig for the truth behind those stories as well. So um it was well, it was a great, just well, a great experience.
2: Kudos, uh very well done. Uh you too short lived. Uh, but it also did its part in uh, moving along this disclosure needle.
3: Yeah, and I, look, I, I also want to like you know speak to the idea of you know just where Hollywood's role is in terms of sort of getting out the facts when we're we're telling stories about you sure. know whether it's anything. And as you said, like even in cop shows, I mean, I, I in, having worked with enough cops in my in my time as well, they'll be the first to tell you that a lot of the cops you see on TV are not representative of much at all of of the stories we see and i think that equates as much to any story you're going to tell but even with project blue book we had you know the little disclaimer at the front that this is all based on truth but that we're always going to have to sort of affect it for you know storytelling and you know making sure people come back after a commercial break kind of a thing So you're always wrestling with that idea. And Dan spoke to that about with the book as well Is like, you're always going to want to find a way to make sure you're engaging your audience. And, uh, if I'll, I'll, you know, the Mark Twain quote, you know, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Um, you know, a lot of times when you're in it and having to tell, you're going to be, you're going to make choices as a writer that you might not make if you were, say a journalist, right? Because, Um, You know, your responsibility at the end of the day is to try to entertain people. Um, And although I take the mantle very seriously about getting out the truth and making sure people feel like they have access to these stories, and and that's why I'm very proud of the show, um, you know, you're bound by certain things and you'll never get a network note saying, wait a minute, this isn't truthful. (laughs) You will get the network note saying, okay, that may be true, but it's not interesting. You need to make it, you need to heighten it in some way. So, I, I, Hollywood serves a very different master, um, and you know I was I was proud to to sort of hold the mantle of somebody who wanted to sort of bring the truth out. But you know I it's I, I I play both sides of the fence, which is why I think the HDA is such a great sort of bringing together of these two sides of the coin, so to speak.
2: So that really does tie in then to what Dan said earlier, uh, because I mean when you look at any I guess. Reality television isn't much reality. Crime shows, ghost shows, UFO shows, uh, sports documentaries. I mean, those all deviate from reality. It's it's all about what sells. Uh, whoever wants to react to that. Go ahead.
3: Well, and I'll just jump on again, too, and I'll say, look, you know, the government has a long history of getting involved in, in not only journalism, but Hollywood as well. Project Mockingbird, you know, back in the 50s and 60s uh, was a great example of that. Um, But, uh, you know, what I think it does when Hollywood can make smart, good projects that do tell stories about aliens, I do feel, you know, and, and visitors from other worlds, I do think that if you look at... You know, even two of the most successful movies, Close Encounters and E.T., those ultimately had a sort of very positive message as well. So I, I think it can really be a beneficial thing and help move the ball forward for audiences and people in general who accept the idea.
2: You know, as we mentioned, uh, you know, storytelling and uh, what sells and what doesn't sells, uh, there certain stories that have to be massaged. Uh, you know, to make them really shine on television, but there's others so real. I'm sure that either that all of you have come across that are so real. Uh, you don't really need to uh, embellish anything.
3: Yeah, Fire in the Sky is a great. Fire in the Sky is a great example. I mean,
5: sure, and also um, one of our HDA members. Uh, is a producer named Steve Longi, L O N G I, and he's working on the Betty and Barney Hill story. Jeremy, okay, and he's he's basing it basing it on the book, the on the Interrupted Journey. And he's very. I had lunch with him the other day. He's very dedicated to ensuring accuracy and truth telling in that you know in that one. And maybe Sean West has some ideas too on this topic.
6: Well, you know the old saying: the truth is stranger than fiction. And the the more you spend time with actual experiencers, you start to realize this isn't just a one and done uh, experience. A lot of these people come from a long line of generational experiencers. So the stories that can be gathered together, written down on paper, and then put up on the silver screen are endless.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. since you've both had UFO experiences, uh, maybe Dan go first. And then Sean, do you mind sharing briefly with us?
5: Sure. Well, my first one changed my life, literally changed my life. And it happened in in, uh, in early, I forget now, I forget the, the month, but I've told this story 500 times around the world. I think it was March or April uh, 1970. 1970, March I was with my father in Deal, New Jersey. He was driving me home from school in daylight. Maybe four o'clock in the afternoon, and a huge silver V V like Victor craft, enormous, shiny silver V was hovering over my father's car silently and just hovering. It wasn't even moving. It was just hovering. And I go, Dad, stop the car. There's a UFO. Stop the car. Right. My father and I got out of the car. We walked outside. We looked, and I was I'm 14. I jumped up and down. Dad, isn't this cool? Isn't this cool? UFO. And my dad looked at it like he was bored to tears and like he'd seen it a million times. Uh, This is a long story, but I'll do the short version. After my father died, 47 years later, I remembered that that event had happened and I had completely forgotten about it for 47 years. I remembered that event, I recalled it in my head, and I realized my father, not only was he bored looking at the craft, but he winked at me and said, let's go home. After my father died, I researched who he was. My father helped invent military drones for the army Top secret work, 45 years, Fort Mammoth, New Jersey. He never told anyone what he did really for a living. After he died, I asked my mother, did my father ever talk about UFOs? She said in early 1950s at Fort Mammoth Army Base, they took him into the vault and they showed him something top secret. And they said you could never tell anyone about this as long as you live. My father came home all white and nervous and shaky. And my mother said, what's wrong? He said, I saw something today I could never tell you about ever. And my father never did tell anyone. So I think the craft that my father and I saw in 1970, I believe now is a military UFO drone. I believe my father had a hand in it. And he went his whole life and could never talk about it. Anyway, after he died, I was inspired to write my book. And uh, writing the book led to me becoming friends with Steve Bassett. you know steve bassett and i came up with creating the hollywood disclosure alliance over a lunch in hollywood one day and then we reached out to sean and sean and 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 paul hynek and danny sheehan and 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 unbelievable It, it happened so quickly uh steve and i had lunch at the end of may the tail end of may early june and on november 2nd we launched hollywood disclosure alliance in hollywood at Musu and Frank's, a very famous restaurant that I happen to represent for PR. And we now have over 80 people around the world and literally Jeremy people write to me every single day wanting to join. So clearly this was an idea whose time was right. And and I'm, I'm very, Grateful to the Sean's and to everyone else who's helped me uh, create this HDA just from a lunch that we had a few months ago.
2: And I will say that uh, if you want to hear more about Dan's story and what happened with his father and uh, and all that, go back and check out uh, the episode we just did a few months ago uh, back in our archives. Uh, Sean, you had UFO experiences as well. I believe actually one up near, uh, well, a couple in Washington State, my stomping grounds here, Pacific Northwest.
6: Yes, it's true. Um, I I experienced a triangle-shaped UFO, very, very large craft, that simply hovered. My guess would be a thousand feet off the ground. It was was less than two miles away, probably only a mile away from my view. I was high on a mountaintop at the time. I was overlooking a very large valley where there happened to be off in the distance a an, an air force base, very active air force base. I saw this craft hovering, and uh, I thought to myself, "Is that a is that a very you know is that a C three plane? Is that a cargo plane coming in for a landing? Um, why is it why, why is it hovering? It's it's not moving, is it? <laughs> so I sat in my vehicle at the time, and I positioned myself very comfortably. And I put the edge of the craft right next to the rear view mirror. And I sat there and I waited for any sign that that craft was going to move in any way or be affected by the wind, which there was no wind that day. So I must have sat there at least three or four minutes. That thing didn't move. And I thought, this is it. This is This is my moment. It's actually happening to me. All these things I used to think about laying in the backyard as a kid looking up at the stars on a hot summer night and wonder what's out there well there it was right in front of me very simply it was a triangle shaped beige in color it looked like a like a fram air filter if you took a round fram air filter and you squeezed it into a triangle and then just stuck it in the sky i could literally see right through the middle of it because it was at a, at a slight angle. And I said to myself, I got to get, get a picture of this. I got to call somebody. I got to do something. So I thought, "Ah, maybe, maybe there's something about this on the news. I happened to notice it had just turned 8 a.m. on that Sunday morning. So I reached down to my radio, turned it to the a.m. news channel, looked up, and it was gone. Literally the blink of an eye, one moment it was there, the next moment it was gone. And from high atop this mountain, I could see 50, 60 miles all around me. That thing was nowhere to be found. It was quite an amazing
2: experience. Is it, is it safe to say that both of you, uh, Dan and, and Sean W., are, are doing what you're doing in part because you want to know what it is you saw?
5: uh look, i believe i had a calling i really do and, and i've been studying this for 20 years just as a hobby just as a personal interest and again this is all true in 2017 right after my dad died three days later i had this epiphany this vision of the ufo sighting we had seen in 1970 I've, which i had forgotten so i wrote my book and then after I wrote the book, I met Nick Pope and Richard Dolan and, 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 and Paul Hynek and the Shawns and Bassett. And I met all these people and Lynn Katai and Kathy Martin and all these, these people are my friends now. And uh, that's just in the last year. And it, it, it's changed my life literally when I thought of HDA. I'm very fortunate. I've been a Hollywood publicist for 40 years. I've done a lot of things in Hollywood, but to to <laughs> launch a group, Marrying Hollywood and UFOs, Jeremy. In my wildest dreams, if you had told me this a few years ago, what, what you, are you talking about?
2: You certainly picked the right year to do it—the year of disclosure, 2023. Here we are. I'm Jeremy Scott with the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. We'll have more of our program. <laughs> I mean, we uh, we all want to know really what's going on here. I think that is the mission of certainly this program is looking into the unsolved or the unknown, uh, and certainly the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance uh, trying to get to the bottom of this as well through their works, uh, and we're joined tonight by Dan Harari, Sean West, and Sean Jablonski. Uh, uh, Sean, uh, I had asked about your UFO experiences earlier, so... Are you still trying to get to the bottom of what exactly it is you saw? Uh,
6: Frankly, I've been, um, I've been warned off any further investigation into my two experiences. Um, I was just uh, telling you about the first experience I had. Then a few years later, I had what could only be described as a close encounter of the third kind. This also happened um, in Washington State. This uh, event, oddly enough, also happened early on a Sunday morning, between the hours of 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. I was in the at the base of Mount Rainier. I was I was actually on a on a drive into Portland, um, and I had had gotten a little lost, and uh, instead of being on the the freeway that goes along the Columbia River, I found myself uh, in the Yakima Indian Reservation.
2: It's quite a ways and, away.
6: Yeah, so I was about 55 miles off track. <laughs> <laughs> but I was uh, driving along, and I looked off into the distance down the road, and I thought I saw what could be described as, a, as a, uh, an Indian gaming casino billboard. One of these... Very brightly colored electronic billboards that you know has an LCD screen or an LED screen and flashes all kinds of you know uh, free samples and discounts on rooms and anything else you could imagine. And I saw a lot of lights, I saw a lot of colors, and I thought, "Wow, that's interesting!" Right in the middle of nowhere, here they are advertising. The closer I got, the more I realized that wasn't a billboard, that wasn't an advertisement. What I was looking at, my brain could not quite fathom, and so I, as I was driving 65 miles an hour, I took my foot off the gas and allowed the car to slow down as I got closer and closer to this object on the side of the road.
1: <laughs>
6: and like I said, I, I've been warned off telling uh, this story any further or or investigating it myself. Um, By whom? Um, it could, what I would describe it is a, a men in black situation and not just, uh, me alone, but family members and the, right. and a crew, over a series of, uh, of years, every time that I tried to get to the bottom of it or return to the spot where this happened, I was warned off. I was in, in all kinds of ways. Let me put it that way. Um, personally, um, electronically, um, mentally, uh, the the fear that was instilled in myself and my family members was incredible. It's hmm. something I'd never quite experienced before in my life. So I thought, well, well why? You know, what, what did I see? What did I stumble upon? What was that? And I recall if the car came to a stop, I'm looking off to the side of the road and I'm still convinced this is a billboard. This <laughs> is a... Very large, twenty foot by twenty foot square, cut out of the sky, slightly off the road and elevated, fifteen feet or so off the ground. And as I'm, as the car has come to a stop, I'm taking a very close look, and I see there's no st- support structure for this. Uh, what I call a portal. There's there's nothing holding it up. This thing is suspended in the sky. And as I'm looking at it, I realize. I'm actually seeing images. I'm seeing a pink planet. I'm seeing clouds and, and buildings uh, floating in the air. I'm seeing vehicles traversing from one building to the next. It was like I was watching something from Star Wars. And I really couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then all of a sudden, in a flash, the portal, the screen, if you will, went black and white and went to another image of orbiting around a planet. This planet was also pink in color. The next thing I know, it flashed again, and I was in deep space. The next thing I know, it flashed again, and I was just outside of a a shot of our own moon. Very recognizable.
2: Sounds like one of those classic cases. We'll pause there, but we'll continue in our next hour with the Hollywood Disclosure
4: Alliance. Chat with us on our Into the Paranormal Facebook group.
2: Domain, but it appears that that's where the NDAA, uh, the, the section of the UAP Disclosure Act, is at. The Senate has passed the version and it's headed down to the House. What a year it's been of disclosure! And we're talking with a organization tonight who is all about uh, bringing forth disclosure uh through the dealings in hollywood uh we've got uh, dan harari with us who has uh, been a entertainment industry publicist has worked with the stars over the years involved with mufon sean west ufo or agent of the ufo stars who's represented experiencers and investigators authors film and documentary creator creators and sean jablonski who's a writer producer director of 25 years, uh, Sean West was telling us the story of uh, really a close encounter here. Um, in his words, like an episode of Star Wars, uh, it's as if a screen was kind of blinking uh, between scenes that made it way it sounded, Sean.
6: Yes, if you can imagine sitting in your car looking out the front window and there's a 20 foot by 20 foot portal into the sky just off the side of the road, and I'm watching incredible scenes flash from one to the other. And the scene where we had just left off, I could see a portion of the moon uh, and and, and a blanket of black, which I thought, well, that's, that's our moon. And then in another instance, I'm in orbit around planet Earth. Very obviously easy to recognize Earth from that orbiting position, and it was at that moment I started putting two and two together. Something, someone is getting closer to me. I reached in my car over to my my Nokia cell phone. This is 2008. I had had this phone for many years. It was already outdated and old, but I knew how to operate the camera without even looking at the screen. Grabbed the camera pressed the two buttons necessary to launch the camera and i'm holding my arm straight out because i want a picture of this portal At that moment another flash happened wasn't a picture this time an object came out of the portal Hmm. straight down the side of the highway in complete shock and surprise i stuck my arm straight to the side, smashed the button with my thumb, heard it click as I'm watching a metallic cube the size of, let's say, four washer dryers put together in that size, come shooting out of this cube and taking off down the same highway I had just driven down. It was at that moment as I'm watching this object sail Sail. silently away from me that this experience got weird.
2: Oh, it's already weird, but please continue. But at that moment,
6: that was when I heard the pilots of that craft talking. They weren't talking to me. They started talking
5: about me. And
2: what what were they saying?
6: As calmly as could be, like two young pilots of a American Airlines flight. <laughs> said to the other, "Well, do you think we should go back for him?" <laughs> and the other voice said, "Nah, nobody's going to believe him anyway." Right. And I heard that as if those two men were sitting in the back seat of my car, talking to each other. It was, it was that present. And for a split second, I thought, I have lost my mind. I'm, I, I'm, I'm touched in some way. This is, this, is, this is too much to soak in. And I sat there and tried to collect my thoughts. And I thought, well, at least I've got a picture of it. And then I thought, well, I wanna go touch this portal. I need to feel it, I need to not just see it, I need to touch it. So I get out of my car, I walk out to the front, I'm looking at the portal. It's just right at the edge of my bumper, up hanging up in the sky. And the moment I get a step past this portal in the sky it disappears i can't see it from the other side i immediately jump back to see it from the front again it's gone the sky is blue it's a crisp sunday morning oddly enough there was no wildlife no birds i noticed there was no wind everything was incredibly silent and i got back into my car and i started to analyze what had just happened i started to replay it in my mind beat for beat what did i see where was i where was my car what what did i what did i hear what who were those two men talking about me then the attack started now at this point in the story Like I said, I've been warned not to take this story any further. I tell you this story up to this point because this has already been discussed. It's already uh, been uh, public. Um, But the years following have not. I have purposely not shared what I've gone through, what my family has gone through. Hmm. So um, at this point, I can only tell you that this happened in 2008. There have been a series of um, events happening to me and my family since that time. um, I have been duly warned not to take it any further. Um, I've been meeting with some people uh, who uh, can say they can keep me safe if I do tell the story. But for now, I'm going to end my story right there.
2: Uh, So are you worried that uh, being involved in the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance is going to put you in any sort of harm, harm's way? (laughs) Actually, the contrary.
6: Um, when Dan and Stephen uh, Bassett came to me with this, I felt a I felt a, an eerie calm about it, because for so many years I had been very uneasy about the topics of the topic of UFOs in general. Um, I had never really been involved, um, other than just you know uh, wondering, like everyone else does, what's out there. Then I have these two instances. Then I'm relegated to just sitting at home on Friday nights watching ancient aliens and scratching my head. And one night in 2015, um, I was watching ancient aliens as I'm prone to do. And my wife said, "Um, it's 10 o'clock. Are you coming to bed? And I said, well, I'm watching ancient aliens. And she said, well, it's 10 o'clock. It's Friday night. Are you coming to bed? And I said, honey, it's a four hour episode special tonight. It's gonna be on till midnight. She looks at me and looks at the television and says, you know what? If you love those people so much, why don't you represent any of them? And she storms off. I sat there and thought about that and thought, you know, I've been an agent for years, represented all kinds of talent, musicians, comedians, models, actors. Why don't I represent any UFO investigators? So the very next day I got on the phone, I called the producers of ancient aliens and i left a voicemail i said you don't know who i am but my name's sean and i think we're going to be working together soon and sure enough less than 30 days i had signed nick pope and richard dolan to my roster and the rest is history and today i i I do with honor consider myself to be the agent to the UFO stars.
2: Wow. Credible story. And so is Dan's. I think both of yours are probably uh, (laughs) right down the alley of let's make a movie about it. Uh, Sean Jablonski, I'm interested in how you uh, get involved in in this. Are are you an experiencer as well, or or what angle do you come at this from?
3: I. I have a very, like, you know, a very small memory of what I consider an experience when I was 10 seeing something in the sky that I couldn't explain that I did go home and draw a picture of these hex, hexagon uh, type lights in a row that were very, like, there was like four in the middle, three on the on the top and on the bottom, I guess. So it was like, you know, uh, what would that be? Ten total. Uh, and I remember going home and drawing a picture and showing it to my parents and saying, I think I saw a UFO. I can't even begin to touch whatever Sean just laid out there that is I have not heard that story that is incredible yeah, I feel like you. uh you know there are certainly levels to this game as it were when it comes to experiences and that uh, that one is pretty astounding um but I think the 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 shorter version about why what sort of interests me in in the in the subject is it's really one of the greatest stories never really mm-hmm. told Um, And as a storyteller, I think, you know, part of what you do is you're always looking for truth, right? You're looking for truth and emotion, truth and moment, trying to find the authenticity of the human condition. Um, And based on what has been happening with the phenomenon for so many years and just um, how I think the message has been getting out there and not been taken seriously. There's, There's a part of me that honestly feels a little like um, put off by the idea because it's some of the most incredible stories. I mean, Sean's story right there is just an incredible version of that and why it's not taken more seriously, why it's not, um, not that, you know, in certain circles, why it's not more mainstream, why it's, we're seeing now it becoming, you know, at least, uh you know discussed in congress and even now you'll still see mainstream newscasters wanting to sort of roll their eyes at the idea of it and as a storyteller i'm like look there is truth here and it, i know that it all comes down to execution it all comes down to how the story gets told how it gets conveyed to a public so that they can get on board with it and that's why Hollywood is so important in getting the message out there because it is it is a vehicle that sort of brings people to the table and if we can deliver credible stories and we can make it so that people are you know not ashamed to say I you know I believe in the phenomenon or I believe in aliens or UFOs or whatever that is. it. it it annoys me to no end how so many people still want to roll their eyes, even though every poll will tell you that, what, 65% of people believe in extraterrestrials, at least in this country. Um, I just think it's a, I, I think, you know, we've been working against, um, you know, people who want to uh, muddy the waters. It's, it's, it's pretty well documented that the government for a while wanted to get out this information as a way to just confuse the public. Um, and I think there just needs to be strong voices out there that, you know, want to tell, stor- you know, good stories um, in a in a in a and execute them in a way that that, you know, people can get behind and not feel like, oh, it's another tinfoil hat wearing alien movie kind of thing.
2: Right. So the goal here is is accuracy, right? I mean, you want these stories to be portrayed as accurately as possible. I don't think we have enough time to fully answer that, so guys, think about that. We'll uh, hit one of you up on that thought when we come back. Talking with the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance tonight, there's been a, a amazing amount of these films that have already primed us for what seems like is imminent. Capital D Disclosure. I'm Jeremy Scott. Into to the Paranormal, somewhere between the Paranormal and Abnormal. I'm Jeremy Scott, uh, talking about UAP disclosure tonight and the movement through Hollywood. So I had asked before the break to our panel tonight, which we're already getting good uh, feedback about, as I knew we would. Just an amazing conversation so far. And uh, we're going to have a part two, not with these uh, three gentlemen, but with another three from the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, and I think even at that point we'll probably just scratch the surface, but, you know, that's how things go. Uh, The goal is accuracy. Is that right, uh, gentlemen, whoever wants to take this? It's important that these uh, stories are are told accurately so people don't have misconceptions of uh, the, the, the phenomena, right?
5: i I, well i think the goal of the hollywood disclosure alliance i I believe in my mind is stories this is about stories and we are focusing on real stories from real people and trying to marry them with the sean jablonskis of the world and the steve longis of the world and people in hollywood who have a track record who have uh, the ability to produce and, and help uh, craft screenplays and teleplays, and 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 nurture a project from from an idea or a story through to have it be seen on the screen and then be seen around the world. As you said, Jeremy, at the top, there's so many, and many of them are great. I mean, so many great movies about aliens and UFOs. Uh, but but how many of those? And I'm sure probably some have been based on truth or real stories. There's always been rumors for years and years. Spielberg was given insights. Uh, you know, Spielberg w- worked with Jay Allen Heineck on uh, Close Encounters, so Spielberg had some insights. But you know, some of these other people along the way, maybe they were just pure fiction. I don't. I don't really know. But moving forward, with disclosure hovering over us, and Steve Bassett and Danny Sheehan in Washington D.C. are working with Chuck Schumer on the on the uh, legislation that's making its way through Congress right now uh all of us in the hollywood disclosure alliance we're all very dedicated to helping to try to move disclosure forward and the our our particular mandate is to help nurture stories uh you know sean, sean West's story let's face it sean west should definitely have a movie of his stories if he doesn't get in more trouble but uh it's this is about storytelling and 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 trying to bury People like Sean Jablonski with people who, out there in the world. Just real quick, in, in March when I met Steve Bassett, I met him at UFO Con in San Francisco. I also met a guy there named Mark Moore. He lives in the Bay Area. He's about 55 years old. He told me, that, and he's a very, very successful businessman. He told me since the age of five, every few years, he's been abducted by beautiful, gorgeous Pleiadians and tall Nordics and they put him on a huge craft with other people and every time he's up on the craft it's the same people year after year after year and uh, the extraterrestrials are teaching him and the others how to be kind and gentle to each other and how to treat the earth with dignity and respect and not ruin the earth and this guy when i first met him i wasn't quite sure but i know him he is absolutely serious he is not a liar He's a very, very successful businessman. I'm helping him write a book about his life story. He's been getting abducted for 50 years. And he says that that the Pleiadians are beautiful and, and nurturing and kind people. And then the funny part of the story is he read my book and he called me, he goes, Dan, I don't know how you did it, but the aliens in your book are exactly the aliens that have been abducting me for 50 years. He goes, I don't know how you did it. So Mark and I have some kind of a connection.
2: When we get back, we'll talk about what it's like to put one of these uh, projects together. I'm Jeremy Scotts, somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal. And now our featured presentation, our program tonight with the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. We'll be back.
4: is paranormal news the geminid meteor shower is putting on a show this week and it promises to be extra special the peak of the annual spectacle falls during the new moon which means the sky will be darker and the better the show astronomer gary boyle tells global news what we can expect the geminids are just like uh, shooting stars just more of them they occur the same time every year so long
1: graceful colorful we could even get some fireballs.
4: The Geminids are visible in the evening until dawn each December as Earth passes through a debris field left behind by the asteroid 3200 Phaethon, which lasts several weeks. The middle of the month is the most intense. Meanwhile, debris from a near Earth comet entering our planet's atmosphere could trigger a new meteor shower. Using a number of mathematical models, a team of scientists looking into why a meteor shower has not resulted from debris created by Comet 46P were tuning, found that it could also happen this week. George Henry, Paranormal News. The U.S.
6: government is now acknowledging the existence of unidentified aerial phenomena.
2: I have experienced advanced UAP firsthand, and I'm here to voice the concerns of more than 30 commercial aircrew and military veterans who have confided their similar encounters with me.
3: A secret CIA office has spent two decades recovering UFOs from around the world has at least none of them in its
4: possession. These are retrieving non-human origin uh, technical vehicles, you know, call it spacecraft if you will, non-human, exotic origin vehicles that have either landed or crashed. It's far superior to anything that we had on time, have today, or are looking to develop in the
2: next 10 years.
5: All that you've been seeing happen the last few years is nothing about finding out about this phenomenon. They already know what this phenomenon is. They've known for decades. Jeremy Scott,
2: boy what a year it's uh, amazing just to kind of listen to it all back is an audio montage there and that's just a slice of it actually Uh, the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance my guest tonight Dan Harari Sean Jablonski and Sean West who are board members uh, with the organization, Dan, the co-founder and chairman, along with Stephen Bassett, who we uh, heard in the uh, in part of that sound montage there. Uh, he certainly has been uh, an integral part of this program over the years, uh, keeping us abreast, helping us understand. And Stephen will be with, with us in part two of our conversation with the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, which will be coming up next month, January of 2024. We'll announce that date as we get closer to our conversation uh, with part two with the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. So what is it like to uh, put a movie or a program together? What is the process like? Uh, Maybe uh, Sean Jablonski, the best to answer this question. Do we feel that way, panel?
5: Yes.
3: Sure. I can take a stab at that. Um, Well, I'll speak, uh, you know, uh, from a television perspective. It is a it's it's quite a long process, Um, you know, um, even with a good idea you know you're first you're going to have to sell your good idea and the way that works is generally you're going to have to you know find a writer who's going to have to sort of you know write out a story uh in in a format sometimes like a deck or a a longer version or even you know spec out a script you'll have to get producers involved and then agents you'll have to find interested parties with studios and networks um and then at that point uh you could be working. It's not uncommon to work anywhere between, you know, two to six months, even to try to get something sold. And all that does is get you to the starting line. And once you're at the starting line, you're going to start getting notes from your partners at the studio and notes from your partners in, at the, uh, at the network. And then if there are any other, you know, big talent attached in terms of directors or actors, you know, those things can sort of drive story as well. You know, it's, um, it's, it's always going to be a fight to sort of keep your vision intact throughout that process, um, uh, along the way. Um, but it's, it's, it's quite a long journey. Um, and it's fraught with a lot of, uh, pitfalls and, and schedule changes and story adjustments. And you could be, I've been on projects where you're a year and a half in and suddenly the whole, um, regime that was working at the network you sold to gets changed and now they no longer see that as a something that is a viable piece of material for them um uh once you get the the benefit of even getting a show picked up that's when the real work begins you know you're going to hire a writer's room you're going to be working on story for probably six months before you might even start shooting it's it's quite a long process and i think you know for the layman who might not understand production um there's a lot of work that goes into it uh, a tremendous amount of work and TV especially is is a collaborative medium. You know, you're working probably at any point with about 200 people. You know, certainly in the job that I do is like a showrunner most times because you're dealing with all sorts of departments. You're managing up with the network and studio, sideways with all the people you work with, down with all the people in, you know, uh, production. It's, 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 it's quite a lot of work. Um, and holding firm to a vision and an idea through all of that um, is uh, it's a difficult process. I't I, I it's, it's hard to accurately describe how to do it, but I think it's like any, like any big thing you're going to do, I always like let's say equate it to building a house. You may start with a certain idea about what you want to do and as you get into it and you start putting up walls and breaking earth, you're going to find all sorts of problems in there and make compromise and do changes and you know hopefully it winds up looking close to what you started wanting.
2: Yeah, then the editing part, I guess, is the the next part of that. Uh, a lot of time spent putting these things together. Not a lot makes the final cut.
3: No, and a lot of times when you watch it, you even you could have a script and and have seen it on set, and by the time you get in the editing room, it it wants to show you that it's something else. You're like, oh, this performance comes through more, or or this theme that I wasn't really aware. That was there, I want to pull it out more and you sort of make it more about something that you hadn't seen we we call editing the final rewrite because that's really where you you sort of find the piece that you're working on is in the editing room music plays a big part in that it's 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 a you know it's a process
2: absolutely from an audio side uh, I see a lot of uh, sound montages come together as we put clips in certain orders and sometimes you just get the sense that it needs a little. This or a little that, uh, or we need to move or slice and dice uh certainly a lot more complicated to do that uh with video, uh, at least I think it is uh, gentlemen, uh we've got a couple of uh, segments left, so uh is there anything that uh that you wanted to mention uh, maybe that we haven't had the opportunity to do so far? Let's go do a round, robin.
5: Uh, I'd like to say to anyone listening tonight um please feel free to write to us. Our email is hda at Hollywood Disclosure Alliance.org. hda at org. That will go to the board of directors of our group. And we look at every email. We've been getting emails for the last two months from literally around the world. And we're honing in on a hundred members and we only launched just about six weeks ago. So it's really quite remarkable. But in particular, if anyone has a really remarkable story or experience or something that they feel strongly they'd like to share with the world, let us know. Conversely, if you're a colleague of Sean Jablonski's or if Steven Spielberg or JJ Abrams are listening right now or, or, or anyone in, in a means of position that could produce or help write or direct a project based on these stories, we would love to have you. We are actively seeking people around the world who work in the entertainment industry. So it really is an alliance. It, I, you know, I call it chocolate and peanut butter. We're trying to bring the best of the two worlds together. So feel free to write to us, HDA at HollywoodDisclosureAlliance.org.
2: Both of those are my favorites, by the way. <laughs> so uh, if you're <laughs> hint, hint to anybody who's listening for stocking stuffers coming up. Uh, Sean West, your thoughts on this?
6: I would say don't let fear stop you from telling your story. There's a unique level of fear that happens to you when you realize that something inexplicable has just happened to you, something truly frightening. But when it starts happening to members of your family, that fear rises to a whole nother level. And for years, I suffered in silence, not sharing my experience, not sharing the photograph of the flying metallic cube-shaped craft then in the mid 20 then in mid 2023 i met the members of the hollywood disclosure alliance and i knew instinctively that there could be strength in numbers that i was no longer alone and that i could share my story and feel safer in the hope of actually being safer and it isn't that safe environment that current members and new members of the HDA will be able to share their stories and bring many, many true stories to the screens.
2: And well said, uh, Sean Jablonski. Uh, let's give you some time to weigh in. It uh, seemed like you've got the short end of the stick tonight. Just how it worked. So uh, take all the time you need. No, here. not at, not at all.
3: It, it's 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 a it's a pleasure to be a part of this and just to. You know, with everybody that's a part of the alliance, and uh, again to get the message out there. And to that end, you know, look, I come at this as a as a storyteller um, and as a believer, but primarily a storyteller. And I guess if you know, um, I'm, I'm, your audience, I'm sure, is 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 mostly probably on board with what we're talking about here. But I've always wanted to just say to anybody who's has any interest in the phenomenon is to stay curious, um, because that's how anything gets done. Right. As, as a storyteller, you always want to sort of understand what's going on behind the scenes and what is the truth of any situation. And when you start getting curious and not just critical about things and you start asking the right questions, you know, um, that's what leads to the truth coming out. Um, and so I think it's really important to, you know, sort of maintain that, you know, uh, mindset when you look at the phenomenon and, and how we can sort of get the truth of this out there. Stay curious.
2: I think we have a kind of a mix. Uh, we've got the believers, but we've also got the curious out there. Maybe those who can't sleep—they turn on the radio because they want to wonder, you know, what what are the possibilities? Uh, certainly, we're on late at night. We welcome one, welcome all, wherever you are listening. Uh, so, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on the, the the state of disclosure? I mean, we've heard some sound bites tonight of some of the proceedings. And now, the two congressional hearings. Uh, NASA study group appointment of its UFO director, the resignment of the Aero group, uh, Sean Kirkpatrick. Uh, I mean, there has been so much that has, uh, that has happened. Um, Dan go first.
5: I think we're crawling like turtles. We're crawling like turtles, you know, so many people in the government and the military and the contractors know the truth. And uh, you know i hate to point fingers but uh, the members of the republican party in the house are not uh, particularly friends of the new chuck schumer bill that steve bassett and danny sheehan have been working their asses off on the last six months writing and uh, it's 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 this huge truth that's there and those of us sort of on the inside behind the the curtain we know what's coming or what should be coming and we know the truth we've had experiences you know i've had two other ufo sightings beside the one with my father um i have lots of friends who've had experiences i have friends who've been abducted countless times um i've met a lot of people this year who who, who their stories just would curl your hair and if i if i had any hair left on my head it would probably curl but uh, we're crawling we're crawling we, we, we should be right there we should be right there maybe january president biden goes on tv ladies and gentlemen you know, I have something to tell you. It's been a long time coming, but national security, we're unable to tell you, but extraterrestrial life exists. We've known about it for a very long time. Uh, we had to keep it secret. We didn't want to panic anybody. But, you know, the time is going, all, all, all he really had to say. This February of this year, when we shot down three UAPs over Canada and Biden went on TV, I literally stood up and the hairs of my spine went up and I thought, Joe's going to do it right now. He's going to say, right now, we shot down three UFOs. They're not from this world. I really thought that, oh, it's weather balloons, China balloon. We're not sure what it is, so we'll keep you posted. And he never, no one ever spoke a word about those three from February ever again to this day. They've never been discussed. We're so close and yet so far. And, you know, I hope it happens tomorrow. My mother's 89. She's a fan of aliens and UFOs because of me. And she wants. She goes, I hope I live to see disclosure. I go, Mom, I hope I live to see disclosure. So we're, we're very, very close, but we're not quite at the finish line quite yet.
2: Uh, Sean West?
6: We're in the middle of a war of the worlds. Very few people realize it. And it's not a war between factions that we think they are. We're in the middle of a war between corporate business interests, government contractors, the military, public officials. They are at each other's throats behind the scenes for decades. They have been battling. And to Dan's point, what I believe I personally saw, I was not supposed to see. And I certainly am not supposed to be talking about it. The voices of the pilots of that craft were as english-speaking educated young pilots as you would find in any airport in america today were they space marines were they black operators i don't know but i do know that there are stories of uh employees of lockheed
2: doing firefight battle with hold that thought we gotta take a break we'll be back uh with the hollywood disclosure alliance our final break (laughs) out on the uh, big screen maybe one day, and I think we're close to it uh, playing out on this small screen, you know, the digital devices, you know, the 55-inch screens or whatever it is, the, the at-home screens, not, not the big movie theater screens, as the science fiction turns to fact, and we uh, inch closer to Disclosure. We've got the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance with us. I think we have time for a final comment from each of you, uh, but Sean West, you were uh, bringing up employees of Lockheed Martin. Uh, before the break
6: yes there there there's a, a recent story that has uh, been disclosed that the the uh, the covert and paramilitary operations division of the CIA called SAC Special Activity Center was in a firefight with employees of Lockheed Martin what were they fighting over they were fighting over a downed and recovered spacecraft they were not in our country, it was in a foreign country. Um, I don't know where the craft originated from, but I had heard that it crashed and it was like a feeding frenzy. Which organization was going to get their hands on it first? Was it private business, military contractors, or was it the government? And. This is the war of the worlds that we're under right now. And it's going on right under our noses.
2: Uh, and, of course, uh, not to forget the uh, CIA program has come to light recently about a crash retrieval program in the news tonight. We also had a whistleblower who says that uh, his late great uncle told him about some egg-shaped uh, metallic craft being housed out at Area 51. All right, uh, Sean Jablonski. Uh your reaction to any of this? final comment? Well, I think when this
3: is over, I'm calling Sean Weston, hearing more about this CIA uh, firefight <laughs> here and want to go pitch that tomorrow.
6: And <laughs> <laughs> eerily, my phone is going to be
3: disconnected. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, your phone's gonna be disconnected. Um that'll just be uh, that'll just be a great act two twist. you know, that's all. no. um look, i I um. I, I think that's actually, it speaks to, I, I think, part of what I think is part of the mission of telling these stories is sometimes they're so outrageous. It's it's easy to be skeptical about this kind of stuff because it can feel so outrageous. Um, and that comes back to when I talk about the idea of execution, because I, I, I really feel like telling these stories in a truthful way uh, and executing it in such a way that they are taken seriously and broadcast to a larger audience is like a serious thing to do. Um, and that is really the next step. Um, again, I think Spielberg had some great success with the way he was able to tell stuff. And when you do it correctly, you know, you get, um, you get a a large audience. So, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's about finding the
6: methods to do that and the, and the, and the will for the to support that as well.
2: Dan, go ahead. Uh, I
5: think I think it's all been covered pretty nicely tonight. I'm I'm you know honored to be part of a group that has a Sean West and a Sean Jablonski and a Steve Bassett and Nick Pope and Richard Dolan and I mean you know I've been a fan of Ancient Aliens from show one episode one. Uh, quick side story: In 2007, I joined MUFON LA, and I knew very little about this topic. And Giorgio Tsoukalos happened to be the guest speaker at my very very first move Fund meeting was Giorgio, and he did two hours on uh eric von daniken's theories and ancient alien theory and slides and movies and pictures and cave drawings and pictographs and 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 the stonehenge and the pyramids and i sat there and i was i actually was crying i had tears coming down my face because i knew none of this this was two years before ancient aliens even came on the air i knew nothing of this i didn't even hadn't even heard of eric von daniken I went to him at the end and I said, Giorgio, thank you, my brother. You just changed my view of the world. I shook his hand. I said, you literally changed my view of the world. And that's when I bought a million books. And that's when I went to a million meetings and a million alien cons. And so every documentary I could find. So for me, this passion and hobby and interest has become now a real calling. And Yeah, with us, with, with HDA, I think we could really move disclosure and storytelling and experiencers truth uh, out there in the public around the world
2: and uh, sean jablonski can you do me a favor can you bring back project blue book for me
3: oh my god i would so love to i mean we
2: can all thank uh you know a shutdown and covet and all that kind of stuff right but yes right thanks to all of you really appreciate you coming on the program thank you sean. it's a pleasure man thank you thank so you. much it uh, was uh, great Part two coming up in uh, mid-January with Stephen Bassett and others from the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. Somewhere between paranormal and abnormal, I'm Jeremy Scott. Good night and God bless. Until next week.